podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How's your fantasy team doing, mate? Oh, I haven't sat here in ages. Everyone's bored of it by the stages of the season, now, aren't they? That's enough out of you, you whiny limey. That's soccer, not football. And this is Paddy Power's NFL Fantasy. Running on just the 6 p.m. games, it's only a game week long. No season-long boredom. No excuses. And 750 pounds in prizes guaranteed each week. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18 Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with us, our midweek show, which can mean only one thing, Iron Mike in the house. Well, I say in the house, we actually recorded this one on location on Tuesday at the NFL Academy. Uh, exciting times for the Academy launching their new gym. We're recording a special NFL Academy pod that's going to drop later on in the season. But I and Mike uh, recorded it on location with me. We got down uh, to usual business, of course, but a very, very special guest, as well as I and Mike, in the frame of the GOAT, Jerry Rice, no less, in the house. Uh, called up with Jerry Rice, so we're going to drop that interview after the Iron Mike catch-up. Just a bit of housekeeping for you before we get into it. Don't forget our Paddy Power Fantasy League, which is free to enter, free to enter, Loads of cash prizes to be won. Lots of you got involved last week. Lots of you won. So congratulations. This is how you join. Uh, you go to fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombs show. So fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombs show. We're going to push that link out across our social channels as well. And if you go to the biogs on at the NC show on Insta, Twitter or Facebook, you'll find the link and get involved with that games this Sunday. Right then, let's get down to business. Jerry Rice. In just a bit, but first up, Iron Mike. Iron Mike and I on a road trip. How about that? We let him out of ESPN HQ. We are here at the NFL Academy. A very special day for them with the launch of the gym in the inaugural season, the first season of the Academy. We're going to be releasing a very special episode all about the first year of the NFL Academy. What is not to love? Iron Mike and Jerry Rice on the same show. But normal business as usual on a Wednesday. A ton to get into. Let's start with uh, with Monday Night Football in Mexico City, no less. And I think everybody was hoping for another Mexico Mexico shootout didn't live up to that hype and uh, probably most notable for Philip Rivers having uh, another abject day by his usually high standards four interceptions which cost the Chargers of course yeah and it was interesting that the Chargers uh, if you watch the first half the Chargers should have been ahead in that game by two touchdowns at least Um, but turnovers hurt them a couple of big plays by by Kansas City but they went away from the run game really early and I was surprised at that because Gordon was running Eckler was tearing them apart um, running and and receiving Gordon's back in business yeah, and, and and that surprised me because also we know that Kansas City's run defense is not necessarily right. uh, the strongest point of their team. But uh, Daniel Sorensen, the safety, was funny because one of the commentators said, you know, well, everyone knows when, when you're playing the Chiefs, you throw at number 49. You know, I wonder why that is. And I was sitting there saying, saying to the screen, you know, well, maybe it's because he like is a four eight forty, you know, and that's why he didn't get drafted early. And, that, that, and he had two interceptions. And he, not long after the guy said this, he got an interception. I said, maybe that's why he's playing, you know, because, <laughs> um, but, I Let's just, talk about Rivers' performance yeah, in, in the context. We've of, seen the same thing from Rivers a lot this season. And it's not unique in that quarterback class that, of course, that the 
generation that he is in. Eli benched earlier on this season. There's talk, uh, Brees with his injury, he seems fine again, but there's talk that he is perhaps coming towards the end of his career. Roethlisberger out for the season. Brady inevitably after his performance on Sunday, uh, the same talking heads were throwing up. That is Brady coming to the end as well. Do you get a sense, Mike, that inevitably given their age, that this collection of brilliant quarterbacks is, is coming to the twilight? That's a good point. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Eli, whether he hangs around, whether he tries to have a, you know, a year or two with another team uh, to prove he's not finished, basically. What do you um, I think he might. I think it's kind of a question of, of pride. I mean, he doesn't need to. His, the- Probably what he is, he is what he is career wise. Yeah, you know, we, yeah, yeah. we know that. Um, ben Roethlisberger Rothlis- is probably gone as well, I would think, but he'll think. come back. He'll come back, but I can't see him lasting. But and pride is a, is a really interesting point when you think about what makes these guys champions and what has propelled them to the top to stay at the top for so long. It's not the simplest turning off that switch. No, not absolutely not. And and there's the thing about going out on a high note or a low note, you know. And you you say to yourself, I'm better than that. You know, I really want it. But but in football, especially, it depends so much on the cast around you and. and there's only so much that the individual quarterback can do. And we've had the discussion many times about Hall of Fame likelihood for those three guys who all came into the league together. And I'm not convinced, the more I think about it, you know, that any of them are a lock for the Hall of Fame. And that, you know, the the the, um, the Twitterati will go crazy with that, but the Twitterati's memory doesn't extend beyond, actually back to the beginnings of their careers in some in some cases. And, and I think they're all in the, the Hall of the Very Good. But, you know, we were talking to Ken Anderson a couple of weeks ago. And if Ken Anderson's not in the hall, um, then maybe there's a case to be made that these guys are, are on that borderline. And I was thinking last night while I'm watching the game, if, if you take the number of teams and the number of quarterbacks over a decade, how many quarterbacks from a decade should be in the hall? Realistically, maybe six max, you know, from each. And you, it's hard right. to make it because you decade players cross decade lines. They start in 2004, they go on. But, sure. you know, but you can't have every good quarterback in the Hall of Fame. Um, and the stats lines are just insane because you have to, you have to, um, set them relative to their era. So I mean, everybody's put up much better numbers than Johnny Unitas or Joe Montana or whatever, but relative to the era, you have to, you have to normalize them. Jerry Rice would love to have played in this era. Oh yeah. I mean, Jerry, where would Jerry Rice be? You know, I mean, now it's, it's like he might still be playing, you know, if he hadn't, if he hadn't, uh, uh, turned up. But last night's game, just, just go back. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for the Chiefs, who are a good team when everybody's healthy and, and everybody's there, they lost Tyreek Hill yeah. early, which, which hurt them. And that's a hamstring as well. So it could be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I was saying, you know, if, that the NFL was going to take 10% off all the stats from this game because it was played at such high altitude. Um, McCole Hardman wasn't really a factor. They didn't get the ball to him much. Um, Mahomes had three runs, which were probably the deciding thing mm-hmm. in the game um, from that, from that point of view. Despite threatening to throw a 100-yard touchdown pass, he barely passed that. Well, I don't know if he was threatening right? or if the media was like <laughs> asking to see if it's he could do it. Um, but uh, the, the, the most important person in this game was probably Trey Pipkins. And Trey Pipkins was the rookie tackle um, who had to start for San Diego because Russell Okun, as as is his wont, is out injured again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, last year he was playing for Sioux, University of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, yeah, well. which means he was playing Winona State last year, and now he's got Frank Clark lined up bar. over. Yeah. So it's no coincidence Welcome Frank Clark had a great game, you know, because <laughs> sure. um, Pipkins that was a rude, int- you know, moving from Division two college to the NFL is a big jump for a rookie tackle, um, and. Uh, so, you know, the Chiefs stay in contention. Um, 
they've got Oakland now. Yeah, huge um, game, but you know, flexed, of course, isn't it? To yeah, and and when you um, when you look at the two teams, you just think, well, the Chiefs are a much better team than yeah. Oakland, even with their defensive problems. Yeah. But Oakland is playing solid, solid sure. ball. So it's a question of whether the Chiefs' big plays can. And McCoy was hurt. Williams, yeah, Williams was hurt, hurt, and McCoy by, was yeah. running really well at the point where he got yeah, hurt. Yeah. yeah, injuries could uh, cost them. That has come at a difficult time for them. And as you say, there's a real mojo about the Raiders at the moment, which is remarkable in itself. We've talked about that a lot of the season. The fact that they're even in this position that we're talking about them as possible yeah. uh, divisional winners. Yeah, I mean, Gruden is proving a lot of the doubters wrong. Although being being the internet, they'd forgotten that they were doubting him. You know, <laughs> of course, six, six weeks ago, or never whatever. doubted him. Mojan Gruden. Mojan Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You could have that, Mike. You could have that. I have to get it. You joined the dots. So let's move on. Talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick. We did get into that with uh, Nikki Bandini on the Monday show because I knew I was catching up with you on Wednesday and really keen to get into this in in detail. So to refresh our listeners' memories, Cap, of course, last time we talked about it on the show was getting set for this public workout or at least uh, uh, open to 30, all 32 teams on the Saturday in Atlanta. And the plot thickened. Uh, it was a whole curious chain of events, really, that uh, an hour or so before the uh, start time, Kaepernick's people announced they weren't going to be holding the tryout in the designated location. They weren't happy with a number of contractual things they wanted, the NFL wanted Cap to sign. So they moved it to a location about 40 minutes away from the original one. This was on a Saturday anyway. And as, as we talked about, that's a, a yeah, fairly we, ridiculous time for a tryout to we happen. We talked right? about that last week. So th- there wasn't a full attendance of uh, personnel from the 32 teams. And it certainly wasn't any of the major players. There's no uh, coaches or serious front office guys, uh, decision makers anyway, I should say, to be precise, were there because it was on a Saturday and they just can't be at that event. So the whole thing Thing went uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous, really. Uh, on the back of it, Mike, you suggested last week that it was there's probably a duality to this whole exercise. Yes, PR stunt uh, insofar as it's the NFL saying quite publicly, we're drawing a line under what has happened uh, in the past. At the same time, there could be some kind of substantial outcome here insofar as Kaepernick, as a result of this could get back into the thinking of teams and might end up with a team as a result. Now you've seen this happen and with the the uh, left field changes on the day itself, what do you think now? I, I thought that, that I was giving the NFL benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. And, and I'm thinking, you know, best case scenario, what they're doing is they're saying to the teams, go ahead and sign him right. if that's what you want to do. We don't have a problem with that. And um, it's always been a league-wide problem. Now that, as I said last week, that reeks of collusion. <laughs> when you're arguing we're not colluding and then you say to the teams, it's okay, go ahead and sign Positive him. Positive yeah. But the negative side was it was mostly a PR stunt to put Kaepernick on the back foot. And I think that's the way it turned out. Um, And the reason I think that is when you look at the waiver he was asked to sign, and every player has to sign a waiver when he does a tryout for a team, because if you do get hurt or whatever, the team doesn't want the responsibility um, of having to pay your medical costs and and that kind of stuff. But when you looked at the waiver, the wording was a bit different in, in two of the sections. And he was indemnifying the NFL over anything connected with the workout. And his people looked at that and thought, well, his signing is connected with the workout. So if we were to have some further 
dispute with the NFL over his not being signed, we're now indemnifying the NFL against that. Interesting. Okay. And it's not the standard wording. It was wording that was inserted into it. So that's what they refused to sign that. But the NFL would argue that this was that, and it came out of footage, right? This well, what, and, and also what they did was they say to the press, it was a standard, it was a standard thing, and he wouldn't sign it. And all the press say, well, look, you got to sign. You know, you can't be special. That, that kind of, but you are special because they're, they're staging a one-person sure. workout for but you. But also his situation is distinctive, if not Yeah, and, and you know, now Eric Reed has come to his defense yeah. very smartly, and, and some of the mouth clowns are now fighting Eric Reed on, on Twitter. Um, and, and But I think, I think in the end, the only legitimate way that Colin Kaepernick is going to get to a team is if he goes to a team and the team stages a workout with him sure. based on what they want to see from him. But his hammer's forced here, right? Because if we... If, yeah, if he, he says no, then well, yeah, it's like you don't want to well, play. It's yeah. his problem, not and that's been, the, that's been the, you know, oh, he turned down the contract with, with the Broncos. He didn't re-sign with the 49ers when his contract was up. He doesn't want to play. That's always been the, the mantra. But it's not... I, I doubt that it's true. And remember, too, he's 32 now. He hasn't played sure. in three years. Yeah. It's a real, at this stage, it's a real gamble. And if I were a team even thinking about it, I would want him in my facility with some of my players, with all my offensive coaches looking at it. I don't want to, I, I don't need to go to a, an NFL kind of organized workout and interview. You know, what, what's yeah. the point of that? Well, there's on field, of course, and the question about whether he's able to perform at the highest level anymore. And all the off the field stuff inevitably is, is what, teams are citing is a reason not to sign him because of the distraction that his acquisition would cause whichever side of the argument you're on here in terms of his political activism and his his stance that's undeniable that if you signed him there would be a lot of media attention there's also the issue that not in fact it was very divisive at the time many of his teammates many players in the nfl was pretty much split down the middle in terms of whether you agreed with him Doing it or not, or at least certainly there was a sizable split down the middle is probably not not accurate. I think there's 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 a large portion of players who really backed it, and there was a, a sizable number of players who didn't back it, but but were willing not to do anything because they figured it was his right to do that if he wants to. And yes. then there's a smaller minority, I think, of players who would be opposed to it. Okay, but either uh, way, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it, but but it, 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 it is a, it, it is a split in in how something how else for, for front officers to have to consider yeah. again. It, and this is removing any personal position on it. It's looking at it yeah. pragmatically. His teammates in San Francisco never had a problem with it. That, that's the interesting thing, you know, um, through through the season and, and at the end of what was not a great season. He was like, he got some teammate of the year award or something like that from the team. So if he signed, Mike, let's just speculate if, if, if he signed or he's in the process of being considered, the interview process is inevitably going to include, will you kneel again? Probably, be probably, yeah, and he and he would probably say, "I leave my option open." That would be that would be. Um, it's funny too. One of the podcasts that I was listening to, the host of the podcast, they were both the host and the guest were both saying, "You know, you have to follow if you're going to be a team player, you have to follow the team." And I'm sitting there saying, "Well, which team was staging this interview? It wasn't a team. It was it was the league." Um, but then one said, "You know, and you know, this is this is not. No one's taking away your freedom of speech or anything." And, I, and then I thought to myself, "That's exactly what." The whole thing was about back in the beginning. Uh, you know, um, to me, it's a football question. It should be a football question. And the football question is, do we think Colin Kaepernick could play ahead of some of the guys who are playing now? And I think the answer to that is probably yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be a star player mm. a- anymore. But then when you look at Lamar Jackson 
and his offense, sure. Greg Roman. That's exactly the offense they were running, or not exactly, but it's a similar sure. offense to what they were running in San Francisco when he had that, that really good year. And he's not the runner Lamar Jackson is. Um, he's more of a straight-ahead kind of guy. He's not the passer Lamar Jackson is. He's not as accurate, um, but he's got a you know stronger arm, which mm. is one of his problems. He tends to drill balls in that guys can't catch. Um, so you know, there, there should be a place for him in the NFL if he really wants to play. It's the final thing on Cap, and you alluded to it earlier, Mike, that he might not go into a starting role. There could be a backup spot and quite conceivably there should be a backup spot if you if you base this on ability and, and nothing else i've heard quite a few people suggesting in the last week that's an inherent problem here if, if kaepernick was a great player was performing at an elite level when all this happened he'd still be in the nfl probably yeah i, I think that's a really good point um because we give, we give great players a whole lot of more leeway, right. you know, Josh Gordons and um, Antonio Browns and, and guys like that for, you know, for reasons that are more disruptive in my sure. mind than than Colin Kaepernick's political sure. you know, political stances. Um, that's the issue here, is it? But that's always been the case. The in football. It's the case yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's a you know, standard, um, yeah. there's always a double standard yeah. involved, and and that's that's go- it's going to be a problem for him. I, if I were a team like say Tennessee, mm. where I'm going to have a quarterback controversy because Mariota will be gone presumably, and Tannehill's on a one year contract. Yeah. I'd sign him now, yeah. and just just for the sense of having somebody there who I can work with for for the remaining months of the season, and then have for next year, so that there isn't a void where the quarterback position should be. Yeah. You know, and and best case scenario, you draft a quarterback, and you've got Kaepernick there to do that kind of one year veteran stand in um, stand in thing. I mean, Denver. You know, can the kid, could Elway get loose from Joe Flacco? <laughs> I mean, look at, I mean, look at, look you know, at Carolina when, and we, you sure. know, we were on the Kyle Allen bandwagon Ooh, as far as that went, but, but always as a game manager, yes. quote unquote, you know, and that, that gets caught up sooner yeah, or later. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't show defensive coordinators what you don't want to do before they start trying to force you to do what you don't want the to do. And that's what's up. happened yeah, to yeah. him, you know. Well, talking of, uh, this next season and the quarterback situation around various teams in the NFL who are in a significant need of course the news breaking over the weekend uh, we got into this on the pod on Monday with Ben Isaacs uh, about Tua uh, dislocating his hip out of the season out of the draft uh, the first round of the draft by all accounts you would think given uh, the significance of the injury and that was something that Ben suggested as an option a team taking him as a value pick albeit a gamble value pick in say the second or third round and having him sit uh, assuming he's not going to be able to play next season under a more experienced quarterback. Yeah, that would be a that would be a smart move. But he has to declare that that's the problem. He would have to declare for the draft. And um, uh, that what would mean his there, so not declaring, spending a year out, and then and then going back to Alabama and maybe playing or maybe not, depending on what Nick Saban does re- regarding. Now, what what he was doing in the game at that point, I'm not convinced. I'm not quite convinced. But you know, but this is college he was carrying football. a knock, wasn't he? You, you have to, yeah, you have to run up scores in college football because Alabama now has a loss. So if they're going to get into the playoff, they have to beat people by bigger scores yes. to try to impress the people who don't actually watch the games, but, yeah. but read the scores um, and, and vote for it. So there's, there's always a lot of, of uh, running up the score. You got us thinking after the bench out on Monday about quarterback situation because we uh, discussed on the show that it might not be uh, the worst thing for two or there might be some good that comes out of this and that because it, it will change his trajectory, he might end up bouncing into a situation that long term on the basis, you know, he's able to, to play to the same level 
that will benefit him far more than if he'd been draft first or overall ended up at the Bengals or whatever. Right? Yeah, so- a- absolutely. You know, and he's got extra time to learn um, yeah. in the classroom, in the film room. Um, I'm thinking of like Frank Gore springs to mind as a guy who went later than he should mm. have because he suffered a really bad knee injury. Right. And you, you, the team um, who drafted him, um, but you draft him and then um, redshirt him in, in effect for a year. Yeah. And, you know, if you could get to a, I don't know if a team would be willing to risk a second round pick maybe yeah. on him but if you get him third or lower um, I that think would a be, team might gamble on a second great... low second round pick yeah. uh, to, in terms of quarterback situation it's something that is fascinating there's like so much in life there's uh, a huge amount of talent but a fair bit of luck as well in terms of where you land and where you bounce and Dak Prescott the poster boy for that as well he was in the right place at the right time to take that opportunity oh, yeah. and to exploit yeah, and, it and how, how he's changed you know yeah. from, from I mean he was more than a quote unquote game manager when, when they had that great season with C Kelly and all, but right now he is the Cowboys. Yeah. He's carrying that yeah. team on his shoulders. Possibly should be in the MVP. Well, he should be yeah. in the, in the yeah. conver- in the conversation. Um, but think about other you know, and Look at you. Kyler Murray, for example. Sure. He's going into a great situation because he's got a coach who wants to to use him the way he needs to be right. used. But it's still a it's still a difficult. Um, transition yes. for him, and we saw that I was watching the game against San Francisco, and he was—he's having troubles, you know, um, making bad reads and bad throws. It will come around, you know, but you—you you almost think it might be easier if he were stu- understudying somebody. The problem is, of course, you don't have many people who can do the kind of offense that Kingsbury wants mm. wants to do. Um, that game was a funny one too because it was a super Blandino. It was a super Blandino. A super Blandino. Twenty penalties oh, for nice. two hundred and thirty-one yards. I between, didn't know you've added super Blandino to yeah, the well, mix I, as well. I I wasn't expecting one like that. Is it going to be a mega Blandino? Is that the top of the mega Blandino? Yeah, I mean, it's headed that way because we all know from Mike Pereira and Gene Steratore and Dean Blandino that the reason we watch the NFL is to watch referees, you know, make the right decision, even if it takes 20 minutes of watching it uh, over and over again to do that. Getting into officiating quickly, let's kind of bounce around to the Texas Ravens. I know you love to bounce. Uh, And the DeAndre Hopkins interference call that wasn't given, (laughs) that was challenged, that still wasn't given. Yeah, I feel sorry for Bill O'Brien. Statistically, uh, we were getting into this on on the radio show on Sunday. Th- these challenges are just not going to be overturned. They're not well, overturning that. There was one in that San Francisco game. Um, Richard Sherman. That's right. That's true. There was uh, one. I remember Nicky was, pre- was thrilled about that. And, he- and it was pretty. It was pretty blatant. Just like the just like the one on Humphreys was yeah. um, for the for the Ravens. I mean, Humphreys was was. It was like three interferences yeah. in one. He had his left arm around the guy, pulling him back. And then his, when his right arm came through, he hit him in the helmet. And then he came down and grabbed his arm with his right arm. And it was like, how is this not given? How is it not given? And how is on review? How on review, how is it not given? How can you not do it? I don't know. Why do you think that is happening? Do you think they had to do something after the championship game? Yes. Put this in, but they didn't really mean it. Knee-jerk, and, knee, oh, knee-jerk yeah. overreaction, which is always the case with the NFL and rules. What are they worried about, though? When it is so egregious, they're so worried, obvious, what are they worried, worried about you know, over They're not worried if it's not a national game uh, in a, in a in a premier setting and but when it is and you get you get the hubbub that, that comes around that they think we have to do something but about what, it. The, what they do is make it worse though. almost always because they they don't necessarily rewrite the rule as much as they rewrite the interpretation of the rule and and I, as i keep saying the pass interference rule is quite simple once the ball's in the air you cannot interfere with the Right. Now, and what they've done through interpretation, they've Pereira'd it. This was Mike's Pereira's. So that interfering means gaining an unlikely advantage. So, but the one thing you always have to remember is the receiver has to catch the ball. The defensive back doesn't have to catch the ball. That means if he's quote unquote arm fighting or hand fighting is the word they like to use. If he's hand fighting with the receiver, 
it doesn't hurt him at all. He doesn't care about catching the ball, but the receiver can't catch the ball if someone's holding your wrist. Sure. You know, and, and it, it's, it's like, it's, it's the basketballization in a sense of, of American football. And I, I really think it's one of those things that, that needs to be rewritten or no, go back to the original kind of definition and make the calls, even if it ruins the game temporarily, because eventually the players will have to come by. Um, in basketball, when I was a kid, I remember how it started. A, a defensive player would put his hand on the guy with the ball as he's dribbling, and if the referees didn't call it, the next thing you do is you get your other you hand in there, and, go, yeah. and, it, and it goes down that slippery slope, sure. and, and that's what's happened. Uh, but it makes it makes the game random. Mm. It's kind of like rugby refereeing, you know, where you don't know which rules the rugby referee how he that interprets it personally. Yeah, yeah sure. and, and you you really want you don't you don't necessarily want right or wrong. You want consistent. That's exactly that's all we want. That's all we want. Hey, speaking of slippery slopes and going down them, let's get your top five. Okay, well, the top five international players. Given that we're talking about the NFL Academy, it, it seems like the great thing to do. And I realized. You have to divide this up in some ways because, first off, the definition of international players in my mind now doesn't include guys like Ted Hendricks, who was born in Guatemala, or Leo Namalini, who was born in Italy. And um, then six months were, and then moved. Yeah, who were, either, yeah. I, who were either immigrants or their, their parents. Uh, Heinz Ward was born in Korea because his father was in the army serving in Korea. Those guys don't count, so we wiped them off the slate right away. Then kickers are a separate category, so we're going to have a top five kickers, right? <laughs> Usually are, yeah. So the top five kickers, and apologies to my buddy Mick Luckhurst, because he didn't oh, make I the could, list. I'm, I'm, I'm walking out right now. Sebastian Janikowski from Poland. Um, national under-17 or something football player. And then he outgrew soccer, basically. Um, uh, Gary Anderson from South Africa, most famous for missing the kick that would have beaten um, that would have beaten Atlanta and Minnesota would have gone to, to, the, Super to the Super Bowl, Bowl yeah, in that year of Randall Cunningham to yeah. Randy Moss. Pete Gogolak, the original soccer-style kicker from Hungary. He and his brother Charlie oh, yeah. both went to Ivory League colleges. Pete to Cornell, Charlie to Princeton. Both went to the NFL. Both he was the, the first soccer-style right, yeah. kicker, yeah. and that changed football completely. Yeah. Um, and, um, at that uh, third, Jan Stenerud, Norwegian, mm. first kicker in the Hall of Fame, first pure kicker. I mean, so George Blanda, Lou Gross, what there. Was he, 50, 60s? in the sixties yeah, uh, okay. for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, number two, Darren Bennett, the punter from Australia, who I knew from Amsterdam Admirals, Minnesota. Yeah. He revised punting the same way that, that um, Pete Gogolak revised place kicking. All of a sudden, he showed you that you could do more than just hold the ball flat and boom it up in the air. Mm. He could put backspin on it. He yeah. could place it where he wanted to do it. Pretty he cool was a great reason. tackler because yeah. he was an Aussie rules player, so he, he loved covering punts and tackling. <laughs> and number one is Morton Anderson, who is probably the greatest place kicker of no all doubt. time. There's Apologies no to Adam Vinatieri, but you know that'll be that'll be a battle. So into the others. I'm now, what's happening, right? Mick right now, by the way. Mick is in Atlanta still, <laughs> and very successful. He's, I can still he, want Zappi in Atlanta. Yeah, work. Mick, last time I talked to him, he, he had a business... He was on that, the show with him. He was on one of the live games with yeah, us. Yeah, um, he insures sports events against you know the things that insurance companies don't do, like Acts of God that might, you know... Like a lightning a bolt hitting your, your, your stadium <laughs> and then you have to refund all the tickets. So right. It's, it's a good business. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, th- this, this was interesting because you get into that question of at what age and, you know, do you give extra credit to guys who came to America later or yes, guys who, a who, point? who came early? And, yeah. and I finally decided I would just kind of do it myself. Um, say, so guys like Tom Bahali. Mm-hmm. Um, Danielle Hunter from Jamaica, yeah, yeah, Tom yeah, Bahali, yeah. um, also, um, from, um, from, from Jamaica, um, the Patriots safety and Patrick Chung, oh, Patrick Chung m- yeah. moved when he was 10. Um, 
those guys did, didn't quite make the cut. Um, David Onimata from uh, Nigeria, um, Israel Idoniji from Nigeria, who played in NFL Europe, sure. um, and uh, Adam Gotsis and Marcus Hunt. Marcus Hunt, you guy remember from the Cincinnati Bengals on Hard Knocks, and um, Adam Gotsis, the Australian, who came up through Australian junior football, which is really weird. So anyway, the top five. <laughs> we'll get anyway, it. two English guys tied yeah, at five. Yeah, I like it already. Jack Crawford, yeah. who doesn't get enough attention, but he's had a really good career. You Sacrilegious. Know, and, and he's been, yeah, out there, sacrilegious. <laughs> and of course, our buddy Jay Ajay um, Back in moved the to the States at age seven. So, you know, he actually grew up in the system, but he's still true, you know, true blue Englishman, um, as you tell every time he talks. <laughs> Yeah, I watched one of the World and, Cup you know, games with him. Yeah, and he's signed now. You know, he's back. Yeah, he's back so, so that's good news for everybody. Number four, Sebastian Vollmer from Germany. Came through the German youth program, international program, got signed by the University of Houston, and had a good career with the Patriots at, at right and left tackles. Um, number three, Ziggy Ansa, who came from Ghana at the age of 19 um, as a basketball player so um, and at BYU. They brought, they brought him over and uh, switched to football when he, he couldn't make the basketball team. Our, our good buddy, my main man, O.C. Munyora. Wait a at, not number one? At number two. No, oh, O.C.'s boy. number two. Um, this could go down badly. Yeah, now. O.C. was 14 when he went to the States. So, you know, he did get to play a bit of college. But O.C.'s, you know, great defensive end. And um, and number one is Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. Yes. Okoye came over at age 21 as a track guy, you know, like a sprinter who weighed 250 pounds and uh, immediately became a, a running a running back sensation and, and had a great career. So O.C. gets nudged out by Christian Okoye. I don't Okoye. think he's going to be happy about that. I don't like inflating his ego anymore than <laughs> That's it has to be, you know, because uh, then it, make, it makes working with him so much tougher, <laughs> even though it's always a pleasure. You realize Ollie's going to fire this episode, but even a rough cut oh, right even before we publish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, going to, it's going to blow up in your face. Uh, Mike, we're out of time. We've got work to do here. Of course, the Academy Tr- episode. We're this going to isn't drop work? Huh? Well, that's a fair point, actually. Uh, the Academy episode dropping. Keep your eyes peeled uh, for that. And as soon as we didn't get to the mailbag this week, we'll do a bumper mailbag. Bumper mailbag. Next week at the NC Absolutely. Show. It's how you follow us on social media. We are back Friday from ESPN HQ. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Excellent stuff from Iron Mike. He's back in business next week. Of course, you can follow him at Carlson Sports. Read his stuff. Mike Carlson, uh, FMTE. That's the Patreon site. Mike Carlson, FMTE. If you go to patreon.com and add that bit in, you'll get to his stylings right then. As I said at the top of the show, fantastic guest coming up for you now. He was in the NFL Academy House launching their gym. One of the greatest players of all time. And we got some time with him on Tuesday. The brilliant Jerry Rice. Jerry, when the Academy launched, a lot of the media coverage concentrated on, are we going to see players from the Academy in the NFL? But there's far more to the Academy than that. Yeah, it's a lot more. It's uh, life life lessons, all of that. Then, you know, you get the education, also the character. And it's all about putting these kids in a better position. And, you know, um, I think um, a lot of these kids uh, might get the opportunity to come to the U.S., uh, go to college and all that. So uh, it's all about putting them in a better position. You work with one of the all-time great head coaches. You'll probably say the greatest head coach, yeah. Bill Walsh. When you get out there with the players later on, are you going to be channeling some of his key philosophies, some of his key messages? Yeah, you know, I, I think just talking to the players, letting them know that, hey, you know, we're human. Uh, and with the right, right coaching and all that, you might have the opportunity of playing the game that you love. You might be that diamond in the rough. Uh, you know, if you pour your heart into it and, and it's something that you uh, love doing. 
We've seen uh, players transition from different sports and internationally on the line, running backs, tight ends. Very few receivers so yeah. far. Do you think uh, that's something that, that will change with the launch and the, and the running of an academy like this? You know, with the academy, uh, I think uh, only about 30%, you know, because everyone else is playing rugby, boxing, other sports and stuff like that. And now these kids are trying to transition into football. So it's going to take some time. It's going to take some great coaching. But, you know, you never know. You know, uh, one of these uh, guys from the academy might go on and play NFL football. Let's talk about your 49ers having a fantastic season, of course. Who do you see is the biggest threat in the NFC to stop them getting to the Super Bowl? I think uh, Seattle. Seattle is going to be hard to deal with because of Russell Wilson. And, you know, the way this guy can assess what's happening downfield, the, the, the way he can uh, expand plays, and then he's still got great vision downfield. So I would say the Seattle Seahawks, you know, but then... God, uh, the Saints, uh, the Cowboys, Philadelphia. It could be, it's good. And, and it can go on and on. You just never know. Quite open. But, but I, I think it's, it's, we in control of our own destiny right now. You know, being at nine and one. You know, you are in control, and that's not a bad position to be in. That's where you want to be. You that's Russell, where you want to be. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, the Saints, of course. Out of all the current quarterbacks, which one would you have liked to play with the most, do you think? Come on now. You're not going to put me on a spot like <laughs> you that. Could, you could have a couple if you want. Okay, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, Brees, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I would say Tom Brady. And, uh, God, is there one more? Uh Jimmy G. Jimmy, oh, it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come. I'm, I'm I glad we got say, that. Right I didn't say that. Yeah. 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 One more thing, because I know yeah. you're busy. Okay. In terms of the, the receivers out there right now, which receivers do you look at and that you really admire at the very top of their game? Uh, yeah, Julio Jones. He brings everything, man. He got the size, the speed. Uh, and Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Hopkins. Uh, there's a lot of good receivers out there. Even, you know, you look at the smaller guys, you know, Element and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. With the run pass option, now, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah. He's not a bad quarterback either, Edelman. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know Tom Brady is a little upset with, uh, you know, the offense right now. And I think uh, Element, you know, he threw the only uh, t- touchdown that they had. What a tag team, huh? Iron Mike, Jerry Rice. That could be the strongest podcast lineup in the history of NFL podcasts. Many thanks to Jerry Rice and, of course, Iron Mike. And, of course, Touchdown Trips. Big shout-out to them, of course, getting behind us this season as well. We appreciate uh, their support. And if you want to take a trip stateside to go and catch a college game, an NFL game, a high school game, hey, go big and go for the Super Bowl. Why not? It's Miami. The sun will be shining. Get involved with Touchdown Trips. They are the guys to go to to plan and organize your trip stateside. Touchdown Trips. Dot com is how you get involved with them. And big shout out to our headline sponsor, Paddy Power Fantasy. Don't forget the Paddy Power Show League running again this Sunday. Just head to fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombs Show. That is how you get involved. Free to enter a bunch of cash prizes. We're back at ESPN HQ on Friday. Ben Isaacs in the house to preview all the weekend's action. Make sure you join us then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.